Welcome back to the Lily Kate Show. I'm so glad you're all here today. And if you've noticed something that I've been noticing, I think we'll have a lot in common during this episode because we've seen that women are more unhappy than ever. Every poll says it. Social media is obviously a clear example of the dissatisfaction and unhappiness of women today. And so much of our culture is formulated around making women happier, like makeup, fashion, hospitality, nice luxury stores, iPhone and tech solutions, social media apps like Pinterest, where you can curate your own sense of reality. Of course, beauty pageants, women's sports has been carved out for women only, women in college with sororities and going to football games and being cheerleaders and things like that. And of course, the list goes on. Yet women are reportedly the most unhappy than they've ever been in American history. So there's a study called The Paradox of Women's Unhappiness, and we are going to unpack a significant portion of that. What we will find is that this study and the researchers are so close to coming to the right conclusion of what will restore the happiness and fulfillment levels of women in society, but they just don't make that connection. So we're going to make that connection today using their research and analysis. The study begins with this premise, quote, relative declines in female happiness have eroded a gender gap in happiness, which women in the 1970s typically reported higher subjective well-being than men. So it's saying that basically in the 1970s, we are comparing women from the 1970s to today. And in 1970s, the women would report higher levels of happiness on average than men. But in the last 30 or 40 years, our happiness as women has declined while men has declined as well, but it has relatively stayed a little bit more stable. So regardless, our starting point is comparing the average woman now to a woman in the 70s. So what was it like being a woman in the 70s? Well, you had fresh World War II scars in your mind and you longed to be at peace. There was, of course, inflation and abortion had just been federally decided at 15 weeks. So Roe, obviously, in 1973, you were essentially in what we call the hippie time as traditional values were being, yes, usurped by new college activist radicalism, yet still the dominant forces in society were patriotism, respect for one's neighbor, peace for all of the world, and conserving the integrity of every institution one was involved in. Few women worked and big families were encouraged by the church, yet discouraged by the population control oligarchs. Women were allowed to be in higher education, yet only about half of them prioritized it. Most women enjoyed being moms and wives, even though there was societally growing dissatisfaction about motherhood. So Hothschild, who was one of the researchers has this statement in here, which is really diving straight into the meat of this because this woman is so close to finding out what is right. She just barely misses it. Quote, women have maintained the emotional responsibility for home and family, a point that is perhaps most exemplified by the familiar refrains of a man, quote, helping around the house or being a good dad when, quote, babysitting the kids. Thus, if men were putting in more hours, it is difficult to know just how much of the burden of home production has shifted as measuring the emotional as well as physical work of making a home, which is a much more difficult task. So this researcher is actually making the argument that it's actually quite pro-tradition, even though this paper tries so hard not to give credence to traditional gender roles in society. So one of the major reasons they subscribe for women being unhappy is because they are now commonly going to take on the role of father and mother because husbands, as this woman claims, are less inclined to help. And she's also saying that it would be better if men helped around the house more, um, but we'll circle back to that in a second. Whether women are taking on the role of father and mother because of single motherhood or just because one-income households are becoming exceedingly rare as the years go on, Hothschild argued that because women have to take on the burden of both 
breadwinner and housekeeper and traditionally father and mother, they find themselves more stressed and unsatisfied than usual. And I think there's actually a lot of truth to this observation. As human beings, obviously, we need rest and we need to feel as if we are doing a good job. But that is why traditionally conservatives have stuck to the blueprint of marriage that has worked for thousands of years. Men and women have different jobs in the world, in the household and in society. And so that in that way, we are protected as men and women from getting overwhelmed with all the burdens of both sexes. That's why marriage works. It's almost like culture has created these roles that both suit and complement men and women. And conservatives really want to stick to that. So the left and these researchers are observing, of course, the unhappiness of women, and they try and diagnose it in many different ways. But again, they don't quite read the solution that they should. And they never want to propose the solution because, of course, the solution would be to agree with conservative Christians. Three different research in 1996 argue that the sexual freedom offered by the birth control pill and abortion as well resulted in women being pressured into having sex outside of marriage, and they had no bargaining or power to force a shot gun marriage in the face of an unwanted pregnancy. Okay, so then this study goes on to really start dealing with the issue of free sex, sexual promiscuity, and hookup culture, essentially. They don't really go into the psychological effects of sex because that's not really the purpose of this paper, which of course we can all find a ton of research on that and how it is. Negatively impacted women because we are more emotional and we are always filled with oxytocin whenever we do engage in sexual activity. In the leftist worldview, of course, a woman is oppressed inside of sexual norms, aka you should have sex in marriage and when she is given an out essentially the birth control pill sex before marriage becomes a super untaboo topic and it's widely accepted in the culture and she is given later or very late term abortion they're making the argument that she is still oppressed by the updated and new sexual norms so as a conservative we believe that hookup culture is of course corrosive and should be stopped for the sake of family and marriage and the left is observing these material issues of sexual freedom from the sexual revolution that happened in the 60s is contributing to women's unhappiness, yet they don't want to say the solution once again. So they're talking about how, oh, a woman is oppressed because of those sexual norms that we came up with, but she's also oppressed inside the sexual norms that we broke off from, which would be the more conservative position. So they're kind of saying that she's oppressed sexually regardless of what she does. And so as a conservative, I would say, well, why don't we not focus on oppression? If she's going to be oppressed anyway, then there's no point in talking about oppression. Let's just go talk about what are the societal benefits, what's better for children, what's better for men, what's better scientifically, what's better culturally for and what type of institutions those people should engage in. Because if she's going to be oppressed, if she's inside traditional sexual norms or if she's inside the new updated sexual norms, then there's really no point about talking about oppression if you can't get away from it. But here is the conservative and Christian solution. Maybe we should stick to the societal norms for women not to have sex whenever and with whomever, because in the end, men won the 1960s sexual revolution. Feminists always talk about liberation, freeing the nipple, doing it for women. But in the end, men got free sex with no commitment, which is what men generally in their teens and 20s want most when your hormones as a dude. I mean, I can't relate. I'm not a dude. But when they're going crazy, that's what you want the most. And that is when the Christian conservative worldview comes in and says, hey, you want to have sex? You should go get married. But unfortunately, the sexual revolution of the 60s has disconnected the idea of life and the consequences of having sex from sex with the abortion pill and um, 
and birth control. And so women, as a result, get unloyal men who only want women for pleasure and will not stick around for a lifetime of true relational and romantic commitment inside of marriage. So that's why men have won the sexual revolution. They got the best thing. They got what they wanted. And that is why, we, as we mentioned earlier, so many women are overburdened because they have to be the breadwinner and they have to be the housekeeper and father and mother because their uncommitted husbands just want them for sex and won't stick around for long long-lasting commitment. And so really in the long term, the sexual revolution has pretty much been one of the worst things to ever happen to women because it's directly correlating to single motherhood and women being more in the workplace. And, you know, the requirement of women being in the workplace has skyrocketed. And the expectation, of course, for women to be in the workplace has gone up. And so now you get all these women who are overwhelmed with their jobs and can't keep up with it and then get depressed because they can't keep up with it. And as we know, of course, it's not the idea of rights or not having enough rights that's making women unhappy. This is a very tricky thing about the left. The left always will say that they are fighting for rights. But the thing is, women in the modern day America cannot get more rights. We have all the rights we will ever need. We have all of them. We have the same rights as men. We have the same rights as colored people. We have the same rights as LGBTQ people. We all have equal rights perceived under the law. And so the left will always say, we're fighting for the right. We're fighting for this right. We're fighting for this right. First of all, not everything that is bestowed by the government is a right. Second, women don't need any more rights. We have them all. We are so liberated and so free, yet so unhappy. But the left is always trying to say, the reason why women are so unhappy is because they don't have the amount of rights that everyone else has. And that's a lie. That is not true. We have all the rights we could ever want and we're still unhappy. And so that leads us to another part of this analysis, which will bring us to a really fun conclusion that again, they don't want to talk about. But women, of course, we have more rights than ever, but we are more unhappy than ever. So they try and answer with this simple analysis. This is their, this is their answer. This is their solution of what is the reason behind all this? Quote, Even if women were made unambiguously better off throughout this period, a richer consideration of the psychology behind happiness might suggest that greater gender equality may lead to a fall in measured well-being. So they're saying that, yes, our life is better, but that leads you to compare to each other more. And then then they continue, for example, if happiness is assessed relative to outcomes for one's reference group, so you're measuring your happiness by the people around you and measuring yourself up to them, they, they continue, then greater equality may have led more women to compare their outcomes to those of men around them. This is their answer. Since women have more rights, and more women are in the workforce, it leads them to compare themselves to men more. And that's why they're so unhappy. But that's just, I just don't believe that. I can't believe that. Now, for a small minority of women or in very small particular cases, that actually might be true. But they're trying to use this as the main reason of why women are so unhappy. And I just can't agree. They're saying it's because more women compare themselves to men is why they're so unhappy. And I would argue, however, comparison is not the reason for general societal unhappiness in women, but putting them in the workforce, masculinizing them and allowing them to have free sex with whomever is the reason for general societal unhappiness in women. Feminists got what they wanted. 
all of the rights in the world. They got abortion. They got access to preferential treatment even in the workforce. Women got free sex. They got no-fault divorce and a culture that bends over backwards to promote women on pedestals, in politics, in government, in the workforce, in corporations, on speaking panels, in pageants, in every which way our country bends over backwards to support and promote women. And yet women today are unhappy. Now, one antidote to this is the getting away from Christianity, of course, because Christianity talks about gratitude a whole lot. And if you're not grateful, then you're going to be entitled. The only way you can fight entitlement is with gratitude. And so that's, of course, one thing that it would be I would be remiss not to mention it. But because of the feminist movement, here is a bullet point list of what the researchers describe as a result of. They literally say, Here's the, here are the results of opening up opportunity for women. And you tell me, If this sounds like women are going to be happier because of all this opportunity, they say, because of all this opportunity for women, women remain single more often. Those who are married got married later in life and the median age of first marriage is increased substantially. So people are getting married later in life. Bullet point three, women elected to stay in school longer, achieving their higher educational attainment than in the past and pursuing better paying careers. So women are way more focused on education and career. Four, women postponed childbirth to older ages and had fewer children than in previous decades. As a result of improved childcare, women tend to enter the labor force even before their children start school and they were able to maintain a longer job tenure than previous periods. So there's more childcare options, therefore moms only spend eight or nine months with their children before they put them into day school, government school. And the last and final um, bullet point of all of the products of the opportunity that's been open to women is women got divorced more often. This is this itself has increased their labor force participation rate. So all of that is saying women are spending generally in society less energy focused on husbands, on families, on community, and they are more focused on money and work and getting into the workforce. And so with all these reasons right in front of them, that leads a conservative Christian like me to say, excuse me, I have been saying this for two and a half years and many more people have been saying this in behind me and in front of me for so long. That leads us to the question that maybe, maybe feminists have been wrong. Maybe feminists have no idea what women are biologically. Maybe feminists have no idea the way that women are actually wired. They have no idea what women truly and deeply want on a spiritual level. Maybe feminists are so removed from their own pure needs and desires and wants and dreams as women that they fought for all of the things that make women seem materially freer, but as a result, it has made them less happy and less fulfilled than ever reported in American history. So, as a Christian conservative, I will leave this section with a question. Maybe there is a higher calling for women instinctively that we know inside of ourselves. Maybe there is a want for community and family and stability. Maybe marriage and striving for marriage is a good thing. Maybe having a family is a good thing. Maybe traditional gender roles where you have certain responsibilities as a woman and you, man, you have certain responsibilities as a husband 
and as a man, and you both put your responsibilities and your thinking hats on, and you create a cohesive household that works and that is stable, maybe there's something better than pursuing your highest job in your workforce. So finally, the researchers say this, and this will be my last quote from them. Quote, rather, we aim to organize relevant data and highlight a robust evidence in favor of a rather puzzling paradox. Women's relative subjective well-being has fallen over a period in which most objective measures point to robust improvement in their opportunities. They're saying, at the end of this paper, we are still so perplexed and puzzled about why when we give women all of this opportunity and everything that their materialist hearts and greed could desire, and we've said followed everything the feminists wanted, women are still unhappy. They're scratching their heads because they literally do not understand what women want, what women desire, what women need. And so they're like, oh crap, we'll just keep shoveling more money and more material items onto them and presenting them with more opportunities as we are actively and very severely getting less happy than ever. So happiness has declined in spite of opportunity. And this confuses the materialist. This has to be confusing to the feminist. This has to not make sense because in their worldview, your highest purpose is amassing material items. Their highest purpose, your highest purpose in the materialist worldview and the humanist worldview is that if you just climb to the corporate ladder and have a CE in front of your or a chief blank, blank in front of your name. If you have a CEO, COO, CTO, CFO position in your company, then you will be fulfilled. The feminist theory of women just need to be given the same as men and treated as such, then she will be happier, is clearly failing. This materialist idea is failing. And the problem is society thinks that more material things will make women happier. And that's just not the truth. That is why the consumer market for women is literally endless literally endless. They think more material will fill them when maybe, just maybe, there is a better and more positive moral vision for women in America. And that is what I want to devote my life to. That is the thing that I want to help women get defined in. That is what I really want to just scream from the rooftops and help women understand. Women are so unhappy, so frustrated, and that's because they're trying to fit into a mold that is strictly masculine. They are trying to only and solely compare themselves to men when in reality, we should be looking into ourselves and saying, you know what, historically, And in the past, what have women wanted? What has made women happy? And what has nourished a society? So in the second half of this ranting podcast about how women are so unhappy, let's talk about a positive moral vision of for what a woman's life could look like because I think it's time that we discuss what a woman's life should look like and maybe, just maybe give it a try. I think femininity is one of the most important and underrated ideas in society and is something that we can directly use to harness as our power and use to build up and curate life and put beautiful things into where they're supposed to be. And so femininity, I believe, is a cultivated charm used to love and nurture other people. And of course, if you define femininity, you have to define masculinity because they are two sides of a coin. Masculinity, of course, then would be harnessed power used to protect loved ones. Basically, femininity and masculinity are both forces that are used to help and defend or nurture or protect or love other people. 
Both femininity and masculinity can only be exemplified through the means of relationship and community. And I I really do believe that since these are aspirational definitions, and what I mean by that is they are definitions that are giving you an end goal to reach, a place to go to, a status of excellence or a standard of excellence that you should reach, that is why they are actually really effective definitions. I've been researching this for over a year now, which in 20 years of being alive, that's kind of a long time. That's one 20th of my life. I've been researching and cultivating these definitions. And so I'm going to stick with them for as as long as I can see logically fit. Both femininity and masculinity are used and exemplified in their strongest ways in the context of helping and caring and protecting and loving other people, which of course is relational at its core, which is what human beings even are. So why do we love the idea of a first lady or why do we love Melania Trump? Why do we like Jackie Kennedy or Audrey Hepburn? Why are women in the James Bond movies so desirable? It's because they are feminine. You see, a feminine woman should be soft and inviting. She should never be weak and she should be life-giving in her speech and her wit and indeed her very presence. You see, her conversation should be friendly and unpredictable. It needs to make you smile on the inside. See, your heart in poetic terms should stop holding its breath when you're with her. Her demeanor should be comforting and puts you at ease. And her beauty, inner beauty, of course, radiates a sense of peace and invites a wanderer into her presence. Something that you have is true beauty. You, lady, you girl, are something to be pursued because you are captivating. Every girl that listens to this show has that captivating beauty inside of her, and the left has tried to drain you of that because they know that it's powerful. Women represent excellence in society. Women represent civilization and advancement in the means of relationship and community. Don't think of yourself less than that if you're a girl listening to this podcast. But in the end, to cure this epidemic of unhappiness in women, I do believe that, and I will submit this for the rest of my life, that femininity is going to be the cure because I want women to be happy. Do you think radical feminists are happy? Obviously, they're not. Do you think the general woman in society is happy? Obviously, she's not. But she can be. You can be if you truly embrace your femininity because femininity naturally attracts things in life that bring fulfillment. Know that you are beautiful and you are worth it and you're worthy of being cherished. And life, of course, can offer mysterious adventures when you start to embrace your femininity. You will watch as things around you start to come to life when you embrace your femininity and you'll finally feel, of course, this is what we hope, the ability to love freely again. All women should embrace their power, of course, and watch as societal standards are being reinstated and upheld. Women are not meant to be men. Women are not made to be men. Women are not made to be masculine. Women, in fact, were made to be feminine. And women, in fact, were made to fit into a womanly-sized box that may be curvy, may have long hair, may not have long hair. Depends on what you look like. But women set the standards of a society. Women set the culture. And it's time for us to begin really doing a better job at that. Women are a reflection, of course, of God's heart that is the side of beauty and life-giving. And guess who knows that? Not only the radical feminists know that that part of a woman and that reflection of women in God's heart is powerful, but Satan knows it. Satan knows it and he hates it. 
the feminist battle is really not a battle anymore because by all practical means, as we established previously, legal equality has been achieved. It has turned into, of course, now this feminist movement has turned into a woman supremacy movement. It has turned to holding on to envy, boxing women into a masculine shaped box, sexual promiscuity and keeping women chained up and unhappy and bitter. And guess what? As we see here, it's working. We are facing toxically low levels of love and femininity in society. The radical feminist movement promises liberation and fulfillment, but it really does deliver emptiness. So let us all together no longer fall for the lies of radical feminism. Let us no longer reject our femininity and let us no longer be afraid of embracing our natural desires. So if you don't remember anything from this podcast, what I hope you remember is this. I hope you remember that you must fight radical feminism with a new form of radical, radical femininity because that is the way that women will be able to restore their happiness in society. And you can quote me on that and take that one to the bank because I'm going to be talking about this for the rest of my life. And I promise you, Gen Z will be Gen Free because we will be Gen Feminine. I don't know if that was a good ending. Sounded cool in my head. Made me miss the mark, but hey, <laughs> thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.